So for me, I always encourage students, you know, like do a 10 hour a week job so that you have Canadian work experience and you have a Canadian who can be your reference um, for jobs because that's so key, especially um, when you, you know, you have a degree and it feels like everyone has a degree and you're trying to figure out how you're special in the job market. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fresh Start Podcast, a show where we share success principles, explore the stories, experiences, and journey of real people in order to provide newcomers with strategies to succeed. My name is David Ojenka. Today's show is the part two of carving your own path as an international student with Christopher Evelyn. If you haven't heard part one yet, go back and listen to it. That is the episode right before this because you need that for context. Now, let's dive right into part two of carving your own path as an international student with Christopher Evelyn. Okay, so what was working for um, the minister that you now work for during a campaign, was it strategic from your own side? Was it strategic when you reached out to her? So it was it was 2015 um i was exhausted and tired from the harper government and so i knew i wanted to help and at that point i wasn't a citizen yet and so i couldn't vote and so i was like i need to find some way of being able to help influence these votes if i can't vote myself thankfully i became a citizen in time to vote um and like at the time I was living in Ottawa, but my local MP, um, he is an institution in Ottawa. He has his own people. And so it was, my, my choice was, well, I could help him, a very established old white guy, um, or I could help somebody who I knew from university days who, um, who I had literally studied with and worked with as a student, um, a racialized woman. And so for me, the, the choice was obvious in terms of help my friend versus the, the, the more established candidate. But when I did that, I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to get a job in politics or anything. It was, I really want to get rid of the previous government on one side. And two, I really want my friend to win and to be able to, to play a role. Campaigns can be quite addictive and um, it's high pressure, lots of hours, lots of door knocking, lots of calls, but being able to, you know, that feeling of victory on election night can be quite addictive. Okay, so for those people who don't have that kind of friend like you did, that was helpful, that helped you to get your foot into the door, what can they do? How can they get in, into politics? How can they get involved? So volunteer. Volunteering in politics is the biggest way to get involved. So regardless, and this is me, I'm going to try to not be a liberal for a second. And regardless of your political leanings, 
um, all political parties have what are called um, write-in associations. So they're like electoral district associations. So Peterborough has one, Ottawa has one, Kanata has one, um, all across the country for each party. And um, it could be as simple as saying, hey, um, I know every Canada Day, my MP usually, or my the person from my party who wants to run or my um, writing association usually does a tent at the Canada Day picnic, parade, whatever. And I'm going to sign up to, to help out there or I'm going to sign up on election. Like elections are people intensive. The way you win elections are by knocking on the most doors and making the most calls, being able to identify your vote. And so every election, every single party is always looking for volunteers, um, people who can come, even if it's once a week for two, three hours to knock on doors and give out literature or make some calls for them. And so that's their elections are a really great opportunity to volunteer because you can literally walk right into the door of your campaign office and say, hey, how can I help? And somebody will put you to work, whether it's putting up signs or knocking on doors or making calls. Um, there's always more than enough work to do. So that, that tends to be a really good way to get involved as well. Or um, especially in the age of social media, um, being able to just sign up. All parties have massive email operations and say, hey, like here's, email your party of choice and say, I'm interested, how can I get more involved? And someone will be able to connect you with um, a local organizer or a local MP or candidate who's looking for someone. Because, uh, because again, another reason why I'm really interested in this topic is because a lot of newcomers, some newcomers, don't let me say a lot of newcomers, some newcomers that I've met would say, oh, I want my children to go to French immersion because they might want to go into politics. Do you think just taking, putting your child to a French immersion school is enough for them? So it's super helpful. Um, in, in Ottawa and in politics, languages are as valuable as degrees, but I, d I don't think it's enough. So I think um, being able to, to get connected with the local liberal NDP conservative um, association helps in terms of making them, hey, this is me. I want to know what's happening. Can I attend your annual general meeting? Can I attend whatever? Um, can be super helpful. Um, and, and just being seen and, and attending things in the community. Um, honestly, it's the politics we can teach, like if you're thinking of running, for example, as a candidate, the politics we can teach you, but it's hard to teach people love for the community. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so the, the important part there is making sure that folk are volunteering and attending community events and finding a way to make an impact in their community. Because when political parties look for candidates, that's what they're looking for. You know, someone who's involved, someone who has a profile in their community who can say, like, I want to represent you. And part of the reason I want to represent you is because 
I've been volunteering with the local soup kitchen. I've been tutoring students. I've been working with newcomers. I've been on the PTA in my school. You know, like that, that connection to community is often so key. Hmm. Right. So that's, that's really impressive. So now let's go to, because you're a Christian, um, what's a lot of Christians tend to shy away from politics. What role do you, do you think it is necessary or important for Christians to get involved in politics and why and why not? And um, just, just tell us more about that. So I think it's necessary for people of all faiths, to be honest, to, to, to be involved in politics. I think politics works well when politicians and political staffers reflect the country um, and reflect the, the diversity of the country. Where we get into trouble in politics is when, you know, it's, it's that very tiny slither of, of people who are making decisions for the entire country, but without having a good understanding of the lived experiences of, of the people that they're impacting. So, so for me, I think having people of, of all faiths is important, um, being involved, because that helps make better policy and, and that helps to, that just makes us a stronger country and makes all of the political parties stronger. Because when you look at, um, a good example is um, issues around um, Islamophobia, for example. If there are Muslims involved in every political party, it makes it really hard for any political party to then be leading from a platform of hatred against um, against Muslims. And mm. and so I think that's like one example of why I think overall, though, the perception of politics as dirty is a troubling one, um, because to me, like I think politicians reflect us. Um, mm. Mm. Their failings reflect us and their victories reflect us. And, and so when people say, you know, politics is dirty, it's like, well, what does that say about us? Um, and, and that's a much larger philosophical question. But, um, but I think having, like I know within the, the Liberal Party, there, um, there's at least, there are at least two people who are priests, for example. Um, and what makes me nervous, and especially more so looking um, down south, is when, when Christians think that they have co-opted a party, and when people start to say that, you know, like, God isn't in that party. Um, that is what makes me nervous, and so when you look at, like, the evangelical movement and their wholehearted embrace of um, conservative politics in the US, for example, that makes me nervous because it gets to the point that you start to wonder, well, like, are we reading the same Bible? Because, you know, like, there are things there that are clearly not right, and you're so willing to overlook them um, in the name of like a, a weird mix of white supremacy and Christianity that becomes toxic. And so it's, for me, that worries me. But I think having, having folks, having Christians in politics makes our politics better. Um, I don't think it's our job. Um, and 
as as Christians as anyone to like force or views or or beliefs on others mm-hmm. um, because that's just not right. Um, part of being Christian means that if you believe that God God gave it. If I were God, I would have made everybody a robot. But in his wisdom, God decided not to make people robots and to give us free choice. And so if he gives us free choice, who am I to try to take away someone's um, choice on matters? I'm sure in your career, there are times when you've looked around the room and you've realized that you're the only one who looks like you, who speaks like you, who has a similar background like yourself. In those situations, how have you navigated them? And how has it affected your professional path? Um, so absolutely, I think. So even thinking back to working in government, um, I worked in a crown corporation that probably had, let's say, 400 to 500 employees. And there were four Black employees um, in in the organization, like in the headquarters. And... Um, Yet the cleaning staff were probably 80 or 90 percent, 90 percent black. And similarly, working in government, um, they they are, it's challenging um, working on the political side because based on some of the research that I've been doing, because once again, me like in history is I've only been able to find so far one other black chief of staff so it means that like as a black man um i'm navigating spaces that very few before me have mm-hmm. and, and that can be super challenging because you know it's hard to to know to move with the right talk and the right walk all the time and to have that wisdom of being able to navigate these spaces and figure out when to speak up when when not to keep quiet um, and when to to speak up for community because um, a big part of why I do this job and um, the last five years for me has been um, the ability, I want the job is the ability to be able to be vocal about issues that affect black communities in Canada and to be able to say my piece and to say my piece to decision makers. And thankfully for the, having them um, listen and having them take that into account. And um, it's a scary responsibility. It's, um, it's a lot and it's a heavy burden. And um, one of my um, friends has a really good saying, lift as you climb. And like my goal is to make sure that, you know, someone 10 years from now can look to a list of 10 or 20 Black chiefs of staff and black senior staff um, across all parties because it's tough sometimes being being the only one and being one of the few um, senior racialized staff or one of the few black people in the room saying hey remember us remember our issues remember these concerns think about other racialized um, people and thankfully um, I think I've been blessed in the sense that folk listen and I've never felt I've never felt silenced for speaking up or felt like, oh, there goes Chris again, or um, maybe Chris should keep quiet. In fact, I think it's probably been the opposite where my speaking up has actually helped advance my career because um, people have been very openest and open criticism and raising your hand and saying, hey, you need to consider this. Um, But in the same sense, like, 
it would be nice to have a mentor and it would be nice to have um, someone else who has tried to walk this path as a racialized person um, and figure out these like government wasn't built for black and brown and indigenous people in, in Canada. Um, and someone else who's had to figure out how to navigate the bureaucracy, how to navigate um, very complex political spaces that mm. like I could speak to. And so in, in not necessarily having that, for me, I feel a responsibility as well too for others who are junior staff, for example, who are um, trying to move up in their career or have conceit of that it's and this is why i think this podcast is important too is being able to help people you know if you if you can see it you can be it mm -hmm. and when you had originally reached out to me um there definitely was a healthy tension in my mind between um on one hand political staffers like our jobs are to be in the shadows and our jobs are to influence and to advise but not be the story that's the job of the elected official and um three quarters of me wanted to say no because like i don't like my job isn't to be public but then the quarter of me that wanted to say yes was the the quarter of me that recognizes that you know there are lots of people who want to get into politics mm -hmm. and have no clue how to get into politics and mm -hmm. how to navigate these spaces or that is even possible as somebody who you know um for better or worse who whose parents as i said never donated to the party and who mm -hmm. didn't have a great uncle or whoever who's run and whatever mm -hmm. um and and so the court of me and the reason i'm doing the podcast today is to to help others who may be interested in navigating these spaces or even entering these spaces to know that one it is possible and two that you know with to to use the the cheesy um liberal line with with hope and hard work it is totally possible and doable mm. wow thank and thank you so much for finally for eventually saying yes i truly appreciate that um so let's now go to the mistakes that you have made um, if you can share some of the biggest mistakes you've made so that people can understand that you're, you're human like them. And also, um, like you said before, you're not a robot. Some of the mistakes you've made and the lessons you learned from those mistakes. If I could do it again, I probably wouldn't have done two masters, for example, because that did take a lot of money. And I wish, you know, you in, in your earlier questions, you were asking, um, about like my level of intentionality um, to a very large degree. I just kind of open went through every open door until it led me here. And I wish that I had been able to be, to be a lot more intentional in, in, in my career and um, had saved myself years and <laughs> thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely see that potentially as a mistake. I think I spent, so I lived in Peterborough, I graduated in 2007 um, and lived in Peterborough to 2011 and partially because I got comfortable. And I think that like, I, I feel like I should have challenged myself more and put myself out there 
a lot more um, and possibly move to Toronto or or um, Ottawa earlier to be able to get some more experience. The biggest, biggest mistake I'd say that I made was not taking French seriously because um, even now I feel like French is a bit of a glass ceiling where if I had French, I would be unstoppable. And there's a certain, even as I like, we're still in government for hopefully at least another few years, but even as I try to think about, okay, what next after politics is recognizing that, you know, in a bilingual country, having that French is so, so valuable and um, sets you apart. And I, like, I took French in school, I took it in university. Um, I can understand enough that I'm not absolutely lost, but I really do wish that I had, you know, invested in French to the point of, um, I, I finished university in three years. Um, I don't know what I was in a rush to do, but I finished university in three years. But if I could do it again, I would much rather have taken a fourth year and gone abroad, for example, and spent a year in France or something and learned mm. French so that, you know, I was fluent in, in, in the language because I think that would definitely help in terms of career trajectory and progression. Okay, so let's now talk about some of the mistakes you see um, newcomers international students, immigrants make when they come to Canada? So I think one, for international students especially, so here's my starting assumption based on my experience um, working with students at Trent is many of the international students who come are upper middle class because if you can afford 25, 30,000 Canadian dollars of tuition, um, and you're from Latin America, Africa, the Caribbean, Asia, like your parents are probably doing okay. And one of the mistakes I think some international students make is because of that not getting experience, work experience as a student. And so they come, they don't need to work because they can survive and their parents can provide for them and it's great to, to have that security. But then on the flip side, when they do decide, hey, I want to stick around Canada and I want to get a job, um, they're in a position where they have the degree but no work experience and mm -hmm. no one who can be a reference for them. And so for me, I always encourage students, you know, like do a 10 hour week job so that you have Canadian work experience and you have a Canadian who can be your reference um, for jobs because that's so key, especially um, when you, you know, you have a degree and it feels like everyone has a degree and you're trying to figure out how you're special in the job market. Ha having people who can speak to you and have it or speak for you and having that work experience matters, I think. The, the other mistake um, that I would say I made as well, and if I could do it again, um, I probably would, was for, for most of my undergrad, I think I got ghettoized, uh, for want of a better term, with the international students. And I spent most of my time with international students. The vast majority of my friends were international students. And if I could do it again, I would definitely be more intentional about making friends with Canadian students. Um, one, they'll invite you to the cottage, which is really nice. But um, like, I think having, having that, that, that richer experience of getting to know Canada through the eyes of a friendship with a Canadian um, mm -hmm. can be really good. And I think one of the mistakes that sometimes international students make and newcomers make is, you know, staying 
too much within their community mm -hmm. um, and not necessarily branching out and getting to know Canadians and inviting them to, to learn about your culture and learning about theirs. And um, depending, I've been lucky in the sense that I've been in Canada for 20-ish years almost, and I have no friends in Canada from Barbados because there are very few, uh, well, very few friends in Canada from Barbados. Um, so, so I didn't get like stuck with just my people. Um, my people are more so my wife's people and the Ghanaians that I hang out with. Um, but, but, but I think often and too often folk end up just staying too much within their community because um, it's safe and it feels comfortable and, and, and you miss out a lot in, in that sense. Thank you. So finally, what advice would you give to newcomers, immigrants, and international students who are still trying to navigate their journey? I'd say know that the system may be stacked against you, but push anyhow. Because I think sometimes we get stuck at the, oh, the system isn't working, or oh, there's bias, or there's this, or there's that. And there is, and systemic racism exists. And um, some of these spaces and places weren't meant for people like us, mm. but we get stuck there and we don't do the second part, which is to still continue pushing and still continue working and, and, and pushing towards that goal. And going back to um, some of the stuff we talked about, for example, um, the co-op opportunities, for example, like I could easily have said, hey, this isn't working out. I can't get a co-op job because preference will be given to Canadian citizens. And yeah. if I don't get my secret clearance, I'm not going to be able to get a full-time job in government. And like, I knew that and I recognized it, but the next step is the continue pushing and continue trying to find a way because no one's going to believe in you more than you. You need to believe in yourself. Um, make, make allies and network and the beauty of everything that's happened in 2020 is that folks are listening. And so we, we're in a moment and we have an opportunity to make real change, but it takes a lot of people and it takes us all pushing at the same time. And the beauty of Canada, for me at least, is that someone who came here as a 16-year-old student and someone who, frankly, you know, like had no connections, had never even voted in Canada before 2015, could now be the chief advisor to a minister. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's something that I think is uniquely Canadian. So yes, there are challenges. Yes, we need to do more to to make this country more inclusive, but it is possible. And um, it takes a lot of hard work, but it is possible. Mm. Thank you so much, Chris, for, for, for the gift of your time. We really appreciate this. Okay, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fresh Start. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with someone you know and love. Please go ahead and subscribe on any platform you listen to your podcast. And also please take a moment to leave us a review because that would help us to reach more audience. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Fresh Start Orb. 
If you know any newcomer you think would be a good fit to interview for the podcast, we'd like to hear from you. Please go to www.thefirststartup.com to nominate someone. We appreciate you and remember, no matter how hard the past is, you can always begin again. Take care and have a great week.